Now for our feature presentation. Now today everybody politically correct. Can't talk to the kid, negotiate, post that. Well, well, well. But isn't Mr. Bullshit and Dr. I'm Bullshit? Oh! You're a fire starter. You start a fire. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Welcome to another edition of the Unapologetic Truth with Joe Arrigo. I'm Joe. Welcome back to the show. Thanking you again for joining me in this special Raiders draft edition of the UA. On today's show, we're going to talk about how important this Raiders draft is to the team and what it can mean for the future. We're also going to give you some more Raiders draft information, who they might target and will they target a quarterback who's rumored to be their pick. I'm going to give you my mock draft at the end of the show, answer your questions. But first, let's talk about the topic of the day, and that is the Washington Redskins are talking about trading up into the top five. And did the Raiders get a phone call? Did I hear a phone ring all the way in the Bay? Well, from what I've been told, according to my sources, absolutely. The Redskins, Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, and John Gruden's brother, Jay, placed a phone call to John Mike Mayock in the Raiders' brain trust and inquiring about what would it take to move up to the fourth selection in this draft for number 11. From what I've been told, the Redskins have talked about offering their first round pick in 2019. So swapping first round picks, their second and third round picks in 2019, and next year, the 2020 first round pick. That is what I've been told Washington is looking to do to move up to take a quarterback. Now, what quarterback do the Redskins want to take and how does it affect the Raiders? Well, let me start by taking a different approach to this. I think the Raiders are doing a great job of creating false information and smoke screens throughout the NFL. First, the Raiders have been connected to Kyler Murray since the Senior Bowl. John Gruden loves Kyler Murray. Ben Albright was on Q&A Episode 7 in the first hour and told Q and myself that he was told that John had a master plan of drafting Murray, trading for Antonio Brown, and signing Le'Veon Bell. Well, he has Brown in the mix. Murray projected to go number one, but what if he slides down? Would he be the pick there? And then obviously Le'Veon Bell, he didn't sign with the Raiders. The Raiders just missed out from what I was told. They finished second in his sweepstakes, and he kind of struggled with that decision. But overall, John's plan kind of still was in play, at least by adding Antonio Brown and potentially Kyler Murray should he slide if the Raiders choose to go that route. But then, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden, the Raiders really, really like Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State quarterback. Okay, that's two quarterbacks that Gruden's been linked to early on, right? So now it's like, well, he's got the big arm. He's a really smart football player. He's played in big games, played against really good teams. The best teams played well against them for the most part. Came in in, in relief of JT Barrett and, and really had a, a tremendous presence about him. And the way he, the Ohio State Buckeyes played better with him as their quarterback than Barrett, arguably. So that, that, that resonated with Gruden a little bit. And even before that, if you think back, Drew Locke, John Gruden loves Drew Locke, coached him at the Senior Bowl, big arm, football savant, loves to throw the ball, high IQ, can get out and run a little bit, sneaky athletic. So the Raiders have done a really good job of planting the seed, farming it, watering it, and letting it grow into they really could be taking a quarterback with their fourth overall selection in the first round. Now that means the market for the third overall pick, the fourth overall pick, and the fifth overall pick for that matter, those three picks really could command a high price. 
Now, the Jets, everybody knows, is not going to take a quarterback. They have their franchise signal caller and second-year quarterback Sam Darnold, who they took last year, third overall out of USC. But the Raiders, who have Derek Carr, and in my opinion, are going to stick with him for another year because I don't see a true place for Carr to be traded to other than maybe Miami that could net them a pretty good draft pick. And on top of that, you got to have some financial wiggle room. So I don't think Carr gets moved, and one, for that reason. Two, I think that they're making no excuses or giving him no excuses, shall I say, to not have a good season by giving him playmakers like A.B., like Tyrell Williams, like J.J. Nelson, like Ryan Grant, like bringing in Isaiah Crowell to help with that backfield. So I really tend to think that they're trying to stick with Carr. But what if they took a quarterback, let him sit for a year. If Carr doesn't work, they have a quarterback. They don't have to worry about drafting next year and have a guy that's ready to play right now. Will that be Haskins? Will that be Locke? Because Kyler Murray's going number one, according to all my sources. Now, that puts a lot of emphasis on either getting to that pick and overpaying or jumping in front of them, which puts the Jets in a really good position. But it also puts the Raiders in a good position because the New York Giants also need a quarterback. They covet Daniel Jones according to any and everybody that you talk to around NFL circles. I've been saying this since Jones declared he is the natural fit for the Giants based off of him being coached by David Cutcliffe, who was Eli Manning's coach at Ole Miss, now Cutcliffe at Duke, Coach Jones, who also, Cutcliffe that is, was Tennessee's offensive coordinator when Peyton Manning was there. The Mannings go down to Duke to run their Manning camp as well as just work out there because – Cutcliffe is a Manning family friend. So there already is a relationship between Jones and the Mannings. Now you have the Redskins who some people around their organization told me they really, really covet Jones as well. Some other people last night when I first got wind of the, of the potential trade package said that, hey, they really like Haskins because Daniel Snyder's son went to school with Haskins. So there's a lot of moving parts. But one thing's for sure, the Redskins want to land their quarterback early in this draft. Daniel Snyder has taken control of the Redskins first round. And last time he did that, they paid a boatload to the Rams to draft Robert Griffin III. I tend to think there's a lot of smoke and a lot of merit to this rumor. Again, from what I've been told, the discussions that have been taking place was the Redskins trying to move up into the top five, offering to swap first round picks in 2019 offering their second, third, and first-round pick next year, second and third this year, first-round pick next year to draft a quarterback. Now, why would the Raiders take that pick? Well, let's just say the guy they really like, let's say hypothetically it's Alabama defensive tackle Quinnen Williams, he gets taken at the number three spot. And they say, you know what, we can move back to 15, we accumulate these picks, and we will now have 10 picks plus an extra first-round pick next year to give us three next year. When the draft is in Vegas, so when we open the stadium, we'll have three shiny first-round picks to be on display when the Las Vegas Stadium opens up in August of 2020. We can manipulate this draft a little bit more. We'll have two second-round picks. Maybe we'll move one of those second-round picks in that 15 to move up a little bit, or maybe a later pick in that 15 pick to move up if we want a guy, let's say, Ed Oliver, if he's available at like number eight or even, even number nine, if Buffalo wants to move back. Or they can use one of those picks, let's say pick 27 or 24, they want to move back up into the teens to get a player they really like, they can move back up that way. So 
it gives them more wiggle room to really maneuver, manipulate the draft and the draft board. Now, why wouldn't they take it? Quite frankly, most people I spoke to in NFL circles have said Quinnen Williams is the number one player in this draft. He is the top defensive tackle, the most disruptive defensive tackle they've seen in the last four drafts. Well, if he's available at number four, why wouldn't you take him? That would be the guy. How many draft assets you may or may not get with potential trade to move back, you can still get your guy to anchor your defensive line and open up really a can of whoop-ass on quarterbacks and offensive guards for the next five to ten years, something they haven't had since maybe dating back to Chester McLaughlin working the inside of a defensive line. I know there's some guys in between there, but Chester McLaughlin is the one that stands out to me, and it's been quite a while since Chester was a Raider. God bless his soul. So that's the reasons why the Raiders may or may not take it. Now, who would the Raiders target if they did trade back? And this is a great question. The reason why I think they may take the picks if that scenario became a reality is this is a deep edge rushing draft. You can get a guy like Ferguson or Polite in rounds two, three, or four. In Polite's case, three or four with Ferguson in round two, maybe round three. When you look at a guy like Cleland Farrell, he's a guy from anywhere 15 to 27 or 30. He's a guy that falls in line right there. Montez Sweat, he's a guy that could fall back into the 15 range or even into the 20s because of his enlarged heart and the medical condition. That could be a guy that the Raiders target. So this is a deep edge draft. You can get some guys that can do some different things. Those will be guys who I think they would target. Or potentially, it could be a tight end. It could be Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. It could be, if they make that deal, they feel more comfortable drafting Irv Smith in the second round with one of those two picks versus taking them at 27, should that be the way that they go. So there's a lot of variables when it comes down to making that selection. I tend to think that if Quinnen Williams is available, the Raiders stand pat and draft him. If he is not available, I think the Raiders would be more open to making that move if it isn't already made with the Jets. Trading back, accumulating some more picks, and then manipulating the draft board to trade back up. A perfect example of that was last year's draft. The Green Bay Packers came on the clock at number 14. The guy that I think everybody, including Raider Nation, really, really liked, and I know all the Packer fans liked him, was Derwin James. Made a lot of sense for both teams. Well, Derwin James is on the board of 14. Green Bay had a deal in place with New Orleans prior to the draft that they kept quiet that New Orleans would give them their first and another pick to move up from number 30 to number 14 to take Davenport, the defensive end. So Green Bay trades back to 30, and then they move back up from 30 to, I believe it was 18 or 17, to take Jair Alexander. They manipulated the draft board and still walked away with the first-round pick in this draft. So they walked away with basically two first-round picks. And now they are another team with the uh, accumulation of picks that they have. I believe they have 12. They can manipulate the draft as well. So it gives the Raiders more maneuverability in the draft. That's the reason why I think the Raiders would likely make that deal, provided that Williams isn't there, because they can move back up and maybe get an Ed Oliver, who I think is one of the top players in this draft. No doubt about it. He can do it all. Play the three-tech, make guys miss. He's freakishly athletic. He reminds a lot of people of Aaron Donald. And you know what? That's a great comp because they both are just dudes. And keep in mind, too, Ed Oliver a year ago was projected to go number one overall in this draft. 
So this is a guy you could potentially get if you trade back a little bit and then trade back up into where you want to be. So those are some guys that may or may not be targeted should the Raiders and Redskins consummate a deal if that deal even happens. Now, it could be a bunch of smoke. It could be a bunch of BS. And you know what? This time of year, that's what happens. There always is a bunch of rumors that come out that make people go, what the hell are they thinking? What the hell are they doing? There's no way that could be true. Or some people will put out something that's so blatantly obvious that you're like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't happen. Well, again, I can tell you from everything that I was told last night at around 730 when I started texting various people after I got wind of the Redskins trying to move up into the top five and them talking to the Raiders, to what I woke up to today and the people I spoke with today via text, email, and on the phone, that this is a very legitimate rumor that has a lot of legs and a lot of merit to stand on. So keep that in mind, folks. I do believe that this is, a, in fact, a true rumor. Whether or not it gets to the Raiders and they decide to make a deal with the Raiders, the Jets, or even Tampa Bay at five to jump ahead of the Giants remains to be seen. But I do believe that, in fact, this is a real-life, true, 100% rumor that the Redskins could be moving up and the Raiders are a team they have talked to, considering as well the ties that the two teams have together. Remember, Bruce Allen and John Gruden worked together in Oakland. They went to Tampa Bay together. John's brother, Jay, is the head coach of the Redskins. All deals in all professional sports and really in life in general are made because of the relationships you have with somebody. Do you have a relationship with X person that runs X business? Because if your businesses can work together, you link up and you do business together. It usually works well. It's no different in professional sports. There's a reason why in other sports, like let's say the NBA, Kevin Garnett, who's supposed to be traded to the Lakers, got traded to Boston because Kevin McHale wanted to work with Danny Ainge. Didn't want to work with Mitch Kupchak at the time. So there's a lot of, is my boy working with this team? Because I'm going to tell you, if it's me and Q's running another team, and I call up Q and say, hey, I want to make this deal for such and such player, you with it? And let's say he gets a call from some other guy, he's probably going to do the deal with me. If, if all things equal, he's going to do the deal with me because I'm his boy. That's how we get down. Same thing with pro sports. So keep that in mind when it comes to any types of trades, any type of transactions. That's kind of how it works. That's why I think if Williams is gone and this offer is on the table, the Raiders jump at it and make a splash move to move back up and get somebody that they covet. Again, 10 picks in this draft, if they make that deal, that puts them in a very good position. They add, I mean, they add, you know, a third round pick, which they lost when they traded for Antonio Brown. They added a second, obviously swap a first and then a one next year. That makes a lot of sense for them. You can't be upset about that if you're Raider Nation. Yes, you may be a little butthurt because the guy you want isn't available. But let's say a Devin White falls down a little bit and it's right before Denver. You trade back up and you take a Devin White because Ed Oliver's gone, Quinn Williams gone. That's not a bad consolation prize to get the best linebacker in this draft. I'll tell you that much. So, okay, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come on back. I got your email questions and your Twitter questions. And I'm going to uh, go ahead and answer those and i want to invite you guys to check out q a which is on the silver and black pride podcast network where you're listening to this right now 
check us out. Your boy Q, myself, we get together weekly, give you all kinds of Raider news. Normally, it's about two hours of Raider content, but we get off into some other stuff too. Don't get it twisted. But a lot of Raider content, I'll say 97% of it is all Raider content. So me and Q, Q&A, check us out on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, as well as check out Spittin' Silver and Black with Anaya and Kaylin. This week's show has a really cool guest, if you haven't already heard, Tony Dasko. He's my guy. He's in Vegas. He's a Vegas radio legend. The guy is one of the best in the business out there. He'll, he keeps it 100. He's funny, and he'll give you all kinds of information and stories that you may not get. He's got great opinions, thought-provoking. Check them out on their latest edition, which came out on the 23rd, Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya and Kalen, and then finally Silver and Black Turf, Scott Winner, Nick Hamilton, two of the best in the business. I'm very proud of those two guys. They're rocking out with their show, Silver and Black Turf. The new one's coming out right after the draft. These guys are going to kill it. It's already one of the most downloaded shows on our podcast network. Silver and Black Turf, Scott Winter, Nick Hamilton. Check them out. It's all right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. We'll be right back with more unapologetic truth right after this. Welcome back to the unapologetic truth with Joe Arrigo. All right, so it's time for me to answer some of your email questions. I had some really good ones sent today. Some Twitter questions as well. We'll go to the email ones first. All right, Gary Salazar, my man, Raider fan, 0452. So Derek Carr, well, I don't want to say 52 was. I'm going to leave his name out of it. But thanks to him, there's an extra pick in his draft. Extra first rounder. <laughs> Gary, my man, you want to know about Montez Sweat. Now, you say you know about his heart issue, and but why do I feel he isn't getting as much hype as someone like a Brian Burns? He says that uh, Burns doesn't have any counter moves to account for anything because he doesn't see Burns with any type of counter after his first move when it doesn't work. He uh, sees Sweat is physically faster, stronger, with more upside. Some people say he's stiff. He gets that. But he feels like that bend can come with practice and time. You know what? There's very good points about creating bend. You can always go to a chiropractor, a sports chiropractor, and, and create bend and kind of loosen up your hips and whatnot. That's, that's true. Um, he is physically stronger. He's a physical freak. Montez Sweat, at his size, really blew everybody out the water. And his tape is really good, too. And that's the most important thing. He tested well. He interviewed well. So there isn't anything, I'll say, physically wrong with Sweat other than he's got an enlarged heart. Now, a lot of teams are going to shy away from him, and some teams took him off the board completely because his heart is enlarged. Now, it's one thing to have a torn labrum in your shoulder or an ACL or whatever, but a heart is something that could kill you. You know, your, your heart gives out on you. You got Hank Gathers type situation, uh, Reggie Lewis in the NBA. You don't want that type of situation falling on you on the football field. So some teams rather rather not risk, even though the reward could be great. He's played like this his entire career, from youth football to high school to college, where he's had success across the board. I agree. Sweat is a better prospect than Brian Burns, but Burns is clean. There is no medical red flags with him like you have a Montez Sweat. Burns is 6'4", 6'5", 240 pounds. You know, he's obviously under what Sweat is. But he's got speed to burn. He's got elite speed. He can get around the corner. That is somebody who has great bend. He can get low, dip on you, and hit you with a rip move and get get right to the quarterback. He does a really good job of that. He's got a really good nose for the football. And like Montez Sweat, he plays to the whistle. And that's something that I love about him. 
At the same time, you're right. He's got to create counter moves. But counter moves, just like you said, you can create bend. You can create counter moves as well. So at the same time, if someone hits, if someone hits you with, okay, you're going to swim on them, you can come back, you know, with a shoulder pull. Or you can come back with a rip. You know, you can come back with a bull rush. You can come back with a lot of different things. It just depends on who your coach is and how you've been coached up. His speed has been so elite, Burns that is, that he really hasn't had to have more than one move. Now he's getting to the point where he's going to get NFL coaching, the best coaching in the world, and he'll create those moves. So if they make a trade and they don't take Sweat and they take Burns, you're still getting an elite pass rusher, the opposite side of Arden Key. But at the same time, Sweat if Sweat is there and the Raiders already have a guy with a heart condition that they cleared, that could be a great addition to that line playing next to Mohurst or next to P.J. Hall or whomever is playing defensive tackle for them that day or that in that series. So I agree that, yes, Sweat could be a great pick. Burns could also be a great pick. Proof is in the pudding, but that pudding hasn't been opened yet because we haven't gotten to any games yet, and they don't know what team they're playing for. So while I agree with you that there are concerns with Burns, there are concerns as well with Sweat, who I actually think is one hell of a football player but he's still not the best football player D lineman on his team. All right. This is from Brian new. He wants to know what's the chances of the Raiders trading out of four. And what have I heard regarding the Raiders taking a quarterback? And if so, when, all right. So, all right, B, let me tell you, uh, I kind of touched on it in the first segment. The way I look at it is like this, the Raiders, if they trade out of four, they have to get a substantial package to give them at least two picks this draft. And they have to be high picks, second or third or third and fourth. And they have to swap those ones. Again, adding a one next year would be ideal. That's why the Redskins package that's out there reportedly makes a lot of sense because they also get a one next year, which would really help with what they're trying to do as far as building foundation pieces. So um, as far as using uh, taking a quarterback, again, I touched on it early. I think the Raiders have done a great job creating a smoke screen. You look at Derek Carr, what team would actually trade for him? Miami, they just signed Fitzpatrick to a pretty decent deal. Cincinnati, they got Andy Dalton. Jacksonville, they signed Nick Foles. Arizona, they're going to take Kyler Murray. They're going to still have Josh Rosen if they decide to keep Rosen till Murray's ready or maybe deal Rosen on day two or day three. What team is going to take him? What team has the cap room? To take him. There really isn't any. I don't think Derek Carr gets moved. I don't think a quarterback is taken with the number four overall pick or if they deal back a little bit. I think they're, they're locked in with Carr this year. They've given him all kinds of weapons so they can give him no reason to not succeed. They're empowering him on the offensive side of the ball. They don't want to have, well, he didn't have receivers to throw to. Well, you could have said that last year because there really wasn't any. He had Jared Cook and that was about it. Now you have the opportunity to give him weapons and let him really succeed. You just got to keep him upright. And if you keep him upright, he's proven to be a really good quarterback. In fact, he's just a few years removed from being an MVP caliber quarterback when he was perfectly healthy until the last game. Also, keep this in mind as well. If that line holds up, Carr's going to pick people apart because he can do more with Gruden's offense than any quarterback on that roster. He knows it now. And believe me when I tell you this, everything the Raiders are doing move-wise, they've talked about with Derek Carr. He knows what they're doing. I don't think Derek Carr gets moved, and I don't think the Raiders dropped the quarterback early in this draft. That's just me.
All right, Evan Marshall. He says, if we draft Quinnen Williams, what trade capital do I think the Raiders could get for Jelly Ellis? You know what? That is one of my favorite questions. It's a great question. Evan, I thank you for asking me that. You know, I think you could get, best case, a low three. So somewhere on the back end of three, a fourth round, fifth round pick. You're not getting a sixth or a seventh. That's, that's not enough. And if someone's giving, trying to give you that, you keep him and you have a deep defensive line where you continue to beat the crap out of the guards, which wins, which wins NFL games and games in general if you're a football coach. At the end of the day, I think you can get a late third to fourth round pick is just about right for Jelly Ellis if you are shopping him. Now, truth be told, the Raiders are shopping them. They're, they're not calling around saying you want jelly, but they are taking calls. They are listening because they know, uh, they could get something in return for him. And, you know, he can go somewhere. We can get way more playing time, especially if they draft a guy like Quinnen Williams, who's coming in as a starter day one and expected to dominate opposing offensive linemen. So I think, again, if you're going to trade jelly Ellis, you're looking at a late third to fourth round pick is just about right. I think that's fair value as well. Last question, my man, Sean Siegel. Sean Siegel is the Vegas pizza connoisseur extraordinaire. All right, so he wants to know, uh, he thinks that it would be something in terms of the, the Redskins deal, like pick 15, a 2019 third and fifth, a 2021st and a 2021 second, if the Redskins are in love with Haskins as reported. What do I think the compensation would be? Well, Sean, I don't think you're too far off, but they're not going to get three different years of picks. They're not going to get a third and a fifth this year, a one next year, and a two the following year. That's way too much. I think what I was told, and it's what I think it is probably going to be or close to it, is a one, a two, and a three this year, and a one next year. That sounds about right. I could even see a one and a two this year and a one and a three next year. I could see that as well. Um, those could be the right move, so to speak. Those could be what's been discussed. I'm kind of spitballing with the second scenario versus the first of what I told it was, but I don't see them going beyond 2020, adding a second round pick. That's getting way, way too much to move up 11 spots, believe it or not. And if they did offer that, if I'm the Raiders, I'll jump at it. Because now you're adding, again, two picks this year, uh, a pick next year, and another high pick in 2021. If the Redskins continue to go the way they're going, especially with Daniel Snyder running the draft room, I fully expect the Redskins to not be successful. Um, that's one of my biggest beef, and that's where I give Mark Davis a ton of credit. Mark Davis allows his football people to make football decisions. He doesn't sit there and say, okay, I want to draft this guy or I want to sign this guy. He allows John Gruden, Mike Mayock, to make the on-field football decisions, he allows Mark Bedane to handle the business affairs. And because of that, the Raiders are in a really good position, well-respected in the league, and they're moving forward. And, and Mark is sitting at the big boy table with more NFL owners. I mean, he's a part of four different committees. Mark is running it the right way. You look at Daniel Snyder, he wants to be Jerry Jones, but Jerry Jones at least played for a year or two at Arkansas when he was on the same team as, as Jimmy Johnson. Daniel Snyder's never laced them up at any level, I don't think. So just because you're a great businessman and you have great business acumen and IQ doesn't mean you're going to be a successful sports owner. In fact, if you're looking at the pantheon of sports owners, the four worst in professional sports in no particular order are Dan Gilbert, James Dolan, Robert Sarver, 
and Daniel Snyder. They are the four worst owners in professional sports, bar none. They have a meddlesome owner. It really hurts the fans. I mean, and I'll, fa- and I'll flip it to the Raiders side of things. Al Davis is an NFL icon. He's a legend. What he did for professional football, for minorities and women in professional football, cannot be overstated enough. He is one of the guys that deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore of NFL. But the last decade of Mr. Davis running the Raiders, you guys know, Raider Nation, it wasn't fun. It was hard. He'd make decisions that would make you scratch your head. And because of that, the Raiders have suffered now. With some of the decisions that he made, it affected the team's well-being long-term. Mark Davis has helped write that ship. That's not being disrespectful to Mr. Davis at all, but I'm stating facts. And if you really are being honest with yourself, you would agree with that. To have Daniel Snyder meddling in affairs is not good for the Redskins, but some team like the Raiders or the Jets or even the Buccaneers potentially, they could reap the benefits of Daniel Snyder yet again foobarring his Washington Redskins. Last question here. Joe, who do you think the Raiders are going to take when they come on the clock in the first round with the fourth overall selection? That's a great question. I have my answer after we take this quick break. You're listening to The Unapologetic Truth on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Welcome back to the Unapologetic Truth, Joe Rigo. All right, so I'm going to give you my mock draft in just a minute. But uh, the report that came out on Wednesday was Marshawn Lynch is retiring. Adam Schefter put it out there. Ian Rappaport kind of alluded to, well, the Raiders are looking to move on from Marshawn. So he says either open or nothing. So at this point, he's retiring. Vic Tafour actually said that until it comes out of Marshawn's mouth, he's not really going to believe it where Marshawn's mom uh, said, yeah, basically, yeah, me too, I agree. Um, So there's kind of some skepticism on whether or not Marshawn Lynch is going to retire for the second time. I'm just going to tell you how I feel about it. Marshawn Lynch, as a person and football player, has had a fantastic career. On the field, Super Bowl champion, he's a guy that has stayed true to himself and his roots. I respect what he's done for the community of Oakland what he's done for his family and friends, how he's managed his money, everything that he's done, he's done it his way and he's been successful. I also think it's time for the Raiders to move on. Marshawn played in six games last year, ran for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. They need a more dynamic running back. They need to get younger and they need someone that's going to be there when they go to Vegas and for the long haul. I respect what Marshawn did to come play for his hometown team, come out of retirement for that. I respect what he did in terms of the level of enthusiasm and energy he brought to the team. He did some things that if I was a teammate, I probably wouldn't have liked too much. But at the same time, I respect what Marshawn has done because I respect Marshawn. But it's time for the Raiders to move on. If I'm Raider Nation, I thank Marshawn for giving me two years of blood, sweat, and tears for busting your ass every game. And one of the most iconic moments to me was his first game 
in Oakland against the Jets where he's on the sideline, turning up, having a ball, getting the crowd hype while the Raiders were beating the brakes off of the Jets. I thank Marshawn Lynch for those moments for the Raiders. And I wish him nothing but the best and continue success in life. All right, so let's get to this mock draft. Now, here's the premise of my mock draft. One, it's different than what I did on Q&A because, quite frankly, I wanted to change my mind. Two, I can't trade in this because there's nobody for me to trade with. I can't trade with myself. So I'm doing picks 4, 24, 27, and the second round pick. My first pick for the Raiders at number four is Quinnen Williams. He's the best player in this draft, the most dominant defensive lineman. He's a guy that could come in from day one, impact starter, impact player. He's that guy. If he's not there and I cannot trade back, Ed Oliver is my guy. I feel the same way about Ed Oliver as I feel for Quinnen Williams, other than I think Williams is a little bit better based off of just a few things. But I love Oliver's game and what he brings to the table. But right now, for the sake of this mock draft, Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle from Alabama, is my first pick at number four overall. Now we move to pick 24, Clelandon Farrell, defensive end, edge rusher from Clemson. He's a guy that I think, again, comes in, feels a huge need right away for the Raiders. He's arguably the best pass rusher in the draft. He's a guy that can come in from day one, line up next to Williams or line up next to Hurst, and just make plays and get to the quarterback. He's a guy that I really, really like. The reason why he doesn't go higher, he doesn't grade out as that elite athlete that Brian Burns or Montez Sweat or even Josh Allen grade out to. So I think Farrell Falls, Farrell's the guy at pick 24 that I take to lock down one side of the edge opposite of Arden Key next to Williams or Hurst. And at pick 27, I take Marshawn Lynch's replacement with running back from Alabama, Josh Jacobs. The Raiders haven't had this type of running back in a while. Yes, Murray had a couple good years, really one really good year. Marshawn's first year, quite honestly, I thought was an average year. But I think Jacobs could come in, be a three-down back for John Gruden, something that he likes. He can run in the tackles. He has enough speed to get outside. He can catch balls. He has no problem stepping up and putting his nose in and chipping or blocking for the quarterback. And he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. So he's a guy that I think at pick 27, where he should be, he's a guy that makes sense for the Raiders right there, just for the reasons that I just stated. And lastly, round two. Now, I struggled with round two because I feel like you could get Irv Smith Jr. here. You could get maybe a Dalton Reisner to fill in that right guard from the, from the jump. But I also look at you can get some linemen later in this draft. Smith is a type of tight end that fits what Gruden likes to do offensively. He's kind of a throwback tight end. He's only 6'2", but he can still do all the little things. He's got, he's got deceptive speed. I think he's a lot like O.J. Howard. I think that was a good comp by Q. I tend to think he's more like a Keith Jackson, former NFL tight end, who had a hell of a career with the Eagles and the Packers. But instead, I go defense. You need a one-high safety that can go make plays. You need a guy that's always around the ball. You need a guy that can fly. And with the way Cujo plays and Conley and Worley, I think that right guy, the guy that fits the most, 
is free safety out of Maryland, Darnell Savage. He was the best player on Maryland's defense last year. He was still making plays and players and teams were going away from him. Ohio State was trying to go away from him and he was just making plays everywhere. A sure tackler is a ball hawk. He ran well. I think he ran a 4-2-9 or so at the combine. He's a guy that's fast, physical. He's a playmaker. He fits what the Raiders and John Gruden like to do and want to do, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, let me recap my mock draft, my final mock draft going into round one. Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. Cleland Farrell, defensive end, edge rusher from Clemson. Josh Jacobs, running back from Alabama. And Darnell Savage, free safety from Maryland. Those are the four guys I think the Raiders are taking with their first four picks in this draft, providing they don't make any type of trades. That is the unapologetic truth. I want to invite you guys to, again, check out our YouTube channel. We'll be broadcasting after the end of the first round. I'll have George Takata and Joe Pacheco with me. We will be dissecting and breaking down the Raiders picks. Uh, We'll see just how George and Joe like it. It may not be safe for work. Also, um, I want to invite you guys to check out all the shows on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. That includes Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter. That also includes Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya and Kalen, which actually has a really good show this week with special guest Tony Cardasco. Tony Dasco is a very, very good and popular sports figure in Las Vegas. Tony is a guy that I did uh, play-by-play with for UNLV. Everybody likes Tony. He's just a tremendous human being. Old school guy, going to tell you lots of good stories, but break some things down. He's going to be 100% honest with you. If he disagrees with you, you're going to know it. And it's a great, great podcast to check out the two youngsters with Tony. And then obviously, please continue to join Q and myself on Q&A. Uh, you guys have really made us and made the show very special, very popular. And we appreciate all the downloads and all the listens and the love and the feedback, both positive and negative. That's just one of those things where at the end of the day, you guys make Q&A what it should be. And that's coming up as one of the better, if not one of the best Raider podcasts um, on the internet right now. So we appreciate you for your listening with that. So thank you again for all your time. Thank you for joining me. Talk to you soon.